Well, today is a special day. We have the Straker family, the whole Straker family with us for the very first time. We're very grateful for their presence. We're going to do some things with that in just a little while. But right now, I'd love it if you would turn to the book of Philippians. And if you're in a pew Bible, it's on page 830. In a pew Bible 830, in your own Bible, the book of Philippians. We're going to look at chapter 1 here in just a moment. You know, Robin and I have never had a bad experience in ministry. And what I mean by that is, I know tons of guys who have gone into ministry and who are no longer in ministry because of the very negative experiences that they've had. In fact, of the people that I've worked with and the people that have been close to me, very few after 30 years or so, are still in ministry. Like, very few. Like, I don't know what the percentage is, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was something like 20%. I'd have to stop and think about that for a while. But most of the guys that I've worked with, and I hope this is not a testimony to having worked with me, but most of the guys I've worked with are out of ministry. I guess they just couldn't take me anymore. And that's all unfortunate, and I I really grieve over that, but Robin and I have not had that kind of experience. The, The churches with which we've worked have been wonderful. And it really is because of the relationships that we have in the church that we've been able to have the the wonderful time in ministry that we have. And this morning, we're going to enter into an expository study of the book of Philippians, a book that talks a lot about those kinds of of relationships. Now, when I say expository study, in case you don't know what that is, it simply means that we're going to go through the book of Philippians, almost verse by verse, and we're going to look at it pretty carefully. And the reason for this is because there's nothing more important for us to do together than to look at the Word of God. You know, we've got a lot of people right now reading through the Bible, and I just praise the Lord that that's happening. Yesterday morning, I came down here to do just a couple of things, just for a moment or two, and there must have been... I don't know, 15, 20, 25 people, whatever it was, down in the gym, all discussing their experience of reading through the Bible on a daily basis. And we started a while ago with Kevin going through a bunch of people uh, together, the daily study Bible. We went through January and February all reading together a number of different things. And I was so blessed to just stick my head in there for a moment and see all the people who were included in that group that is reading the Bible together. It was a great blessing to me. And so I'm I'm thankful that we have a chance to go through the book of Philippians and to do so expositorily. In case you think to yourself, well, do other churches do this? It was interesting. I've never listened to Rick Scruggs preach ever before, the preacher at Bow Valley Christian Church. Never heard Rick preach. And this morning, or this week, I thought, man, I need to listen to, to Rick preach. And I'm sure they've got podcasts. So I went to Bow Valley's website and I listened to the podcasts. And he was just starting an expository expository series on the book of Galatians. And it just warmed my heart. I was so grateful for that. I thought, this is great that this guy is doing an expository series on the book of Galatians. We're not the only ones doing this. Uh, You know, they're doing it too. We're doing Philippians. They're doing Galatians. Hard to say which one of those books is the best choice. But this one is great, certainly. 
and especially in terms of relationships and the joy that we get from those. What I want to do is just read the first couple of verses here, make about five comments about that, and then just make two other points very quickly. And then we're going to do something special with the Straker family here today. Okay, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First... I just want you to see that Paul identifies himself and Timothy as the senders, mentioning the recipients and then greeting them with a blessing, and then praying after that, beginning especially in verse 3, for those who are in Philippi. And the fact is, this is very common in Paul's letters. If you're a Bible student, you start reading through Paul's letters, one of the things you see immediately is that Paul follows the same kind of format in almost all of his letters. And it was standard ancient world format. You know, when you write a letter, maybe at the top, of course, we don't even hardly write letters anymore, but if we do write a letter, and sometimes even if we send an email, we'll say, you know, dear Steve Ason, if you happen to be writing Steve Ason, dear Steve Ason, just want you to know that I think you're a great elder. It's wonderful working with you. Uh, You know, I love your family. You're all wonderful. Uh, Continue to give big dollars to the church. Thank you very much. Um, something like that, okay? So you start that with, with Dear Steve. Maybe above that you've put a date. If you're writing a letter to a business, then you would put a number of things there. Maybe you'd put your own letterhead and then the address of the business. And then at the end, you're going to say something like, Sincerely yours, Kelly. Only if you're Kelly, okay? But you write this letter, and we have that format. And Paul does the same thing when he writes a letter. And so this format of telling who it is that's writing the letter, and then giving them some kind of greeting, talking about who it is that he's writing the letter to. That is ancient format, and you just need to see that. If you read 1 Thessalonians, you'll find the same thing. If you, write, if you read 1 Corinthians, you'll find the same thing. One place you won't find it, by the way, is in the book of Galatians. And it was interesting to hear Rick talk uh, as I was listening to this sermon. He got this exactly right. Just the fact that Galatians doesn't have all that stuff. And the reason is because Paul is not happy with the Galatian church. Or churches, I should say, because it was written to an area. And he jumps in in Galatians and says, man, am I disappointed with you people. Well, Philippians is exactly the opposite of that. Not only does he have that structure in the beginning, but you'll see very quickly that he is not unhappy with the Philippians. The second thing is, it's important to mention that Timothy, because uh, we're going to see this in chapter 2 especially, that he has got a special relationship both with Paul and with the Philippian church. And so in chapter 2, Paul's going to talk about how he's sending Timothy back to them. And this special relationship that exists. He wants to make sure that the Philippians are going to treat Timothy when he eventually comes in the same way that they would treat Paul. And so Paul is excited about sending Timothy back to them. He he actually is going to send this letter through a guy named Epaphroditus. But then later on he's going to send Timothy to them as well. and, And Paul's excited about that possibility. Third, Paul and Timothy, it says in verse 1, are servants of Christ Jesus. Do you see that right at the beginning? Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. And then I want you to notice at the end of verse 1, it says overseers and deacons. Notice that the word deacons is used there. Somebody tell me what the word deacon means. Servant. The word servant. Exactly. Uh, Diakonos, 
which obviously is transliterated, not really translated. Diakonos, deacon means a servant. But the two kinds of servants at the beginning of chapter or verse one and the end of of verse one are completely different kinds of servants. The deacons at the end were more like major household servants who would end up telling other servants what to do. And those who they told what to do are the first kind of servant. Really, they're slaves. You could put the word slaves in there. In fact, your translation may even say that in verse 1. It may say, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. And if it does, it's absolutely right. Because that kind of servant at the beginning of verse 1 is a slave. Not one who is supervising a household the way the, the servants at the end do. Well, what does that say? Kind of interesting, isn't it? Paul and Timothy say, we are slaves. Slaves of Christ Jesus, and in fact, putting the overseers and the deacons above them as they take on that role of slaves in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you consider yourself a slave in Jesus, but I hope you do. Fourth thing, this letter is directed to the saints in Philippi. Notice it specifically uses the word saints. Now, when you, if you have a Catholic background at all, by the way, and you hear the word saints, That's going to mean something drastically different to you than what Paul means when he says saints. The word saint simply means one who's set apart. And clearly, when Paul says it here, he means all those who are Christians are set apart. It was interesting the other night in our life group here at the building on Thursday nights, we've got a very diverse group. Um, out of eight people that were there, we had five different countries and cultures that were represented out of eight. And so there's lots of, of different cultures. And in fact, several of the people in the group, maybe even all but two, if I think about it, had a Catholic background. And so we went through this passage and talked about this. And, and we were just wondering to ourselves about the whole notion of sainthood and what that means. I'm just not convinced that that's a very biblical idea. The notion of being a saint is simply the idea that you are a Christian set apart because of what Jesus has done in setting us apart in him. And the fact is that that whole system of setting saints apart developed within the tradition of the church long before the Reformation, but well after the biblical period. And so we're all saints. We're all in Christ. We're all holy ones, but of course it's only because of what Jesus has done for us. And then the fifth thing, Paul, after identifying himself as a slave of Christ, then identifies two special classes of people to whom the letter is going in addition to all the rest of the saints. And he says that this letter is going out to the overseers or bishops or elders, and the deacons. And, you know, there's a lot of speculation about what the church should do, not so much in churches of Christ, but across Christendom, about what the church should look like in terms of its organization and structure. And I'll just say, I really like what the churches of Christ do with this. I like the fact that we have elders and deacons. You know, there's three words for these people who are called elders. There's the word overseer or bishop, which means one who really supervises. There's the word shepherd or pastor, when you know what that means, to lead a flock. And then there's the notion of the elder or presbyter. And that's the person who simply is wise in age, 
older, experienced, able to give good teaching, sound instruction, and wise counsel. All three of those words are used in the New Testament to talk about the same person. And so if you happen to be from a background that has bishops in it, in its system, then really those bishops are nothing more than the same kind of person who functions as an elder in our church. So we have elders, or we have these who are shepherds, and we have those who are bishops or overseers. And they really take responsibility for supervising the flock. And then, of course, there are these people, as we've already mentioned, the deacons, these special servants, who almost always in the New Testament have a specific kind of role. In fact, you don't appoint deacons just at large. Like, there are just deacons out there. What you do is you appoint deacons to special roles of service. They're simply service-oriented people. Another word for this, by the way, in English, is the word minister. The word minister is the same word as servant, somebody who just gives his life to serving. But we're all then, in some sense, servants, and therefore all, in some sense, are ministers. We just all serve together in Christ. Well, again, I think it's exciting that Paul and Timothy view themselves in a very humble way in contrast to talking about those overseers and deacons and put themselves in the special place of slave of the church. And part of what he's doing already as he expresses that is just this close relationship and affinity that he has for these people. He wants to make sure that they understand that he doesn't see himself as being above them, but instead standing on par with them, even under them, and in the course of that, showing affection. It's relational kind of language even then. Okay, those are some introductory kinds of things to the first few verses of of this book. I want to read now verses 3 through 11, make some comments about that, and then we're going to uh, have the strikers come up here, okay? Verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Well, the first thing I want you to see here is the notion of relational language. I want you to note the relational, affectionate language that is in this section of Scripture. And the fact is, I don't know another place in the New Testament where Paul talks this way about a church. It's like he just gushes forth Talking about the Philippians. He first of all, in the first couple of verses there, in verse 3 and 4, talks about how he's got them on his mind all the time. I'm thinking about you constantly. 
Then he says, and I'm, and in all my thoughts about you, I'm praying. I just keep praying for you and praying for you that God will bless you in all kinds of ways. He calls them his partners in the gospel. Fellow sharers. In fact, the word, we hear this word all the time, koinonia. Sometimes Christian ministries are named after that word. It'll be a koinonia kind of ministry. And the notion of being a partner or sharing in the gospel together is that word koinonia here that's used. And so we share together in this ministry. And Paul talks about the affection he has for them as they share. He says that this brings him great joy. He wants them to bless his life with joy. For him to feel this sense of relationship about them as they continue to minister in the Lord. He's confident about who they are in Christ and that God is working among them, and so he compliments them. And it's interesting to me, in fact, instructive for me, as somebody who does this full-time, to think about the ways in which we need to compliment one another. You know, when I look around the room this morning, there are... It's not countless because there's not many people here besides you. (laughs) But there are a number of people in this room that I could right now have them stand up and I could go on for several minutes talking about their faith in Christ and the way in which they give themselves completely to Him. I could do it with teenagers in this room. I could do it with young adults in this room. I could do it with the oldest person in the room. I can do it with all the moms and the dads. I could do it with the kids. I could do it with the elders. I could do it with those who serve as ministry leaders. We have a church that is filled with people who deserve commendation for what it is that they do in Christ Jesus. And the fact is, we're recipients of that every time we get together. Like you guys, if you're not on the praise team, you don't know how much practice it takes to get this done. And if you're not somebody who goes down and prepares the food for the potlucks that we have or sets up the tables and the chairs and all of that, you may not be familiar with all the things that we have to do in order to get ready. And if you don't stay afterwards, then you miss the opportunity of serving and taking all of that stuff down and cleaning it up because somebody has to do all of that. And we have people who are selfless servants in Christ who give themselves constantly to that kind of ministry and Paul commends them. You know, I could stand also here and talk about how there are people in this room who treat me and my family so well. And that's really what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that he has a great relationship with this church and that so much of it is the way in which the Philippians treat him. The way that they honor him and bless him. The way that they have relationship with him. That they can work together in the Lord. And that's exactly the kind of thing that we experience. And we're so grateful for that. And then, after all this kind of complimentary language, which is so rich and so wonderful, I want you to look at verse 7 especially. Just listen to the relationality of this. Listen to the way that Paul pours out his heart. And I don't know of another place in the New Testament where he does anything quite like this. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my 
heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ. Have you ever done that? Have you ever longed for somebody who is a Christian? Longed to be with them? Longed to fellowship with them? Longed to say, I love you? I have. Lots of times. One of the truly heartbreaking things in my life that I've experienced on a number of occasions now is having to say goodbye to a church and to people that I love. I'm not doing that this morning. But when it happens, every time it's happened, my heart breaks. I can remember when we drove out of Los Angeles crying for 45 minutes because it takes that long to get out of L.A. I can, I can remember driving and crying for 45 minutes as we left that city after having just said goodbye to a dear friend who was in ministry with me. We hugged each other on the sidewalk. He, he actually, we we'd only lived about three blocks from the church building, so he wheeled with a cart the last couple of boxes of my books back to our house, and we put those on the truck. And then we had to say goodbye. Broke my heart. And when we left Victoria in 2001 to go to Dallas, I can't begin to describe to you the pain that's there when you have loved and lived with people for such a long time and all of a sudden you have to say to them goodbye. And if and when Robin and Kelly vacate this place, it's going to break my heart again. And that's because of the kinds of relationships that we're supposed to have in Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul expresses here. He has them in his heart, it says. He longs for them. And he says, with the affection of Christ Jesus. Like, what kind of affection does Christ have for his people? What love is there in Jesus for his people? And Paul says he longs for all of them with the affection of Christ Jesus. It's just so clear how much he cares for the the Philippians and how real all of this is. And then in verse 9, he prays that their love for one another would abound more and more right alongside their knowledge and insight. And, and let me just tell you, if, if you're not increasing in your knowledge and insight and love, those things all together, then you're just not growing the way God wants you to grow. If you know everything there is to know, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 13, but you don't have love for one another, you're just a sounding gong. And so these things have to go together, the knowledge of God and love for others and for him at the same time have to be part of the package in order for us to say that we are his saints, his holy ones. And we just can't pretend to love others and think that somehow God is pleased with our 
heart's offering to him because he wants us to love him in significant ways. The other night in life group when we were talking about all of this, it was so funny. Like we looked around at each other and we had Malaysians there who have a very difficult time expressing any kind of emotion with one another. We had a couple of Canadians and they're not that much better sometimes. We had a couple of us Americans who sometimes are way too gushy. We had a Filipino who's kind of somewhere in between there. We had somebody from Brazil who was in the room and she and her husband who's kind of a, he went, he's a Canadian but went to Brazil and came back. You know, he, I think they share in the ability to, to express affection. So I kind of went on like this for a while about the affection that we're supposed to have for one another. And at the end I said, okay, let's all stand up and hug one another. I went for the first Canadian and he went. <laughs> because sometimes we're that way. But God wants us to somehow show affection with each other. You know, five times in the New Testament, it says, greet each other with a holy kiss. Five times. My sense is that Paul was serious about that. And for those of you who are really squeamish right now into what I might say next about how we're going to stand and do that or something, we're not... But we do need to show each other some kind of affection because we love each other. And so sometimes it is difficult for other cultures. Some cultures find it easy to do. Somehow we need to find a way to express our affection to one another. I'm so grateful that Paul does that. And then the second major thing I want you to notice here. I want you to notice in these verses the centrality of of prayer. Paul both prays for the Philippians and says that he's going to pray for them and that he constantly does and he wants them to pray as well. And he clearly views prayer for one another as one of those key elements of affection. If you love someone you're going to find room in your life to pray for them. And Paul says that's what he does all the time for the Philippians. And then again in verse 9, he actually does it. He actually prays for them. And so I hope that one of the things you do is pray for those who are in this church and brothers and sisters everywhere. I was sitting there this morning thinking about all this and I thought, you know, I should just take the directory and set it by my bed And every night, pray for two or three families before I go to sleep. Like in two months, I would have prayed for basically everybody. And I think God would bless those prayers. And if you all did the same, and especially if you prayed for me, which I would love, we're all going to be blessed by the prayers that God answers as we pray for one another. And again, don't you see Paul doing exactly that? Can't you hear it in the words of affection and prayer that he says he prays for the Philippians like this? And clearly, I think he wants us to do the same kind of thing. Well, all of that brings me to a special point in our assembly because we have a new special family that's here today. And one of the things that we want to do is exactly what Paul says And we want to pray for the uh, the strikers. 
You know, the fact is, from the very moment that I met Jonathan, and, and Jonathan and I have lots of time to ruin this, but, <laughs> but right in the beginning, he and I, from the beginning, had a sense of affinity. Wouldn't you say? Like, I think, I think that Jonathan and I are going to get along well. I think that we connect well. There's a connection there between the two of us. I think there's an intellectual connection. I think there's a spiritual connection. I think we're headed in the same direction. I think there are a lot of things good there. And I'm grateful for that. We're building relationship already. And I want to tell you that when Michiko came off the plane this week on, what day was it, Thursday? And came out. And I walked over to her. I was telling Robin this this morning. I walked over to Michiko and I said, I'm Kelly. And I think that by that point, my name was familiar to her. And Michiko, I don't know if you sense this or not, but she had a look on her face of relief. I think it might have been like, he's real. <laughs> he looks a little funny, but he's real. <laughs> and so she, she had that, this sense of, of relief about her. And one of the things that I loved was, I, I felt like she was saying, I'm so grateful to be here and I'm grateful to be embraced and entering into relationship with this group of people that's here. I think she felt that. At least that's what her, the, the look on her face was. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that relationship is already being built. I don't even know her. But the relationship that we have in Jesus makes this kind of thing possible. And so I can give you a hug. I can tell you how happy I am to have you here. And all of that is true. Because we are truly grateful that God has brought us together. And we can greet each other as strangers, but it's not really as strangers. Because there's already relationship there in Jesus. And by the way, when Michiko came out, she was also crying for a bit. And Michiko, I can tell you, I understand those tears completely. Now, she had to say goodbye to family. She had to say goodbye to people who, who even came to her house for two days in a row at 4.30 in the morning, first to see Jonathan off and the next day to see the rest of them off. And that kind of pain is real. It hurts and I know you're experiencing that. We love you. And we're grateful that you're here. And so this morning we want to welcome the Strakers into our family. We want them to be part of it. And so I would like, if you would, for your family to come up here. Their oldest son is Hegedi. It doesn't have a D in it when you spell it, but it does when you say it. Hijiti, come on up. Their youngest son is Shiori. Shiori, how are you today? Are you well? <laughs> he doesn't know tons of English, okay? But I think he can understand that I'm greeting him right now. It's good to see you. <laughs> the, other day I, the other day I said to him, Shiori, how do you say goodbye in Japanese? And he looked at me and he said, you're welcome. 
<laughs> and then Minori is here as well. And Minori is such a sweet little thing. You're just as beautiful as you could be, sweetie. And we're very grateful that you're here. And then, of course, Michiko is here and Jonathan is here. And we're so grateful for the two of you. And so glad that you're giving yourselves to ministry here. This is a privilege to have you here for sure. I'd like for the elders, if they would, to come on up. The elders are going to pray for this family. And then I'm going to give them a few things after that. And then we'll be finished. It was about um, over a year ago that we launched into our search process. Um, we, know, we knew we had a key position we wanted to add to our staff. And we knew it would be a hard position to fill. Um, it was a, some special qualities we were looking for. And, uh, and we're so um, grateful um, that uh, God led you to us, uh, Jonathan, and, and your wonderful family to come be here with us. We're going to uh, pray for the Strakers right now. Um, and I just ask, invite you to, to bow with me as we do that. Our Father in heaven, we um, we come to you with, in a spirit of um, of thankfulness, of, of gratefulness um, for how good you are to us, Lord. We, um, we we can just see that it's so clearly how your spirit is at work, um, how you through your spirit, led us to find Jonathan to fill a position that, that had special qualities about it that we were, that we were looking for in an individual and, and how well um, Jonathan uh, fit what we were looking for, Father. And, and so clearly, uh, your spirit um, has been at work. And Lord, we see your spirit at work when we, we see a family like this that's willing to, to leave what's been their home, um, to leave family and to move halfway around the world to, to join your work in another place. And, and Lord, we again, we see your spirit at work in that. And, and that's so encouraging. And, and we thank you. And Lord, we pray for um, this family. We pray for, for Jonathan as he uh, works into his new role here. We thank you for his uh, gifts and abilities that you've given him, and we pray that he might uh, readily be able to uh, put those to work, um, as we know he he will be able to. And um, and we just thank you for the, the talents and abilities you've given him. And we thank you for um, Michiko and and the family that have have come to join us as well, and. And we just ask that you be with all of them as they adjust to the, the new surroundings, as they uh, make new fr- friends, um, and uh, just go through all the change that's, that, that will tra- take place. And we know, Lord, that change brings stress. And, and there'll be times when, when there's great joy, and there'll be times where there's um, some sadness and uh, and struggles, and, and so we just pray that that you would uh, be with them through all of that, and that you would be with us as a congregation as we um, love and support them uh, in every way that we can. 
We pray these things to your son's name as we continue. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing uh, Jonathan's family uh, here safely from a long journey. For a long preparation, it's not easy. Finally, to bring them to our midst, our family, for adding them to our family. I commit them to you for your favor and loving kindness to follow them all their ways for Miniko to give her the peace, knowledge, and understanding of a new environment you brought them to. We know, Father, that you are God of love, mercy, protection. As the kids, we we tend to assimilate into a new environment, schools, that you find them in a school that they will like, and school that they will like them, and that everything will work according to your will. We commit uh, Jonathan to you in his new job as a worship worship ministry that you make him a blessing to this church and make us a blessing to him. That you give him the wisdom knowledge and understanding of his role in this church. We thank you, Father, that you will supply all their needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. Amen. Dear Father in heaven, Father, you have brought people from all over the world here to be a family. And Father, this is all through your son and the sacrifice that he gave that we can all be part of your family, for it is your family. Father, we ask that you will uh, bless Jonathan, Michiko, and uh, the kids, that you will uh, help them to be a blessing to the community here, the church here, and that we will be a blessing to them. Father, we... uh, uh, we ask that your spirit be among us and that uh, the people in the community can see the love that um, that exists here because of you and your love. We pray that your love will be shown through this family to the people in our community and to the people here. And Father, we pray that we will be able to show your love to them and be a blessing in their lives. Father, we're excited about 
the future and what it holds and uh, what you, the plans that you have for us. For we know that you do have great plans. And help us to be faithful to you, to lean on you, to trust in you, and to always remember that this is for your glory and it's through your strength that we are able to do anything at all. Father, we love you and we want to praise you and serve you together with this family. In Christ's name, amen. Yeah, I just, uh, we have a couple of things here. I'm actually, I'm going to be a, uh, I'm going to give and then I'm going to take away. Because we have some gift cards that we want to give you guys, but I'm not going to give them to you. <laughs> we're, we're, going to, we're going to do this again in the second service, and then I'll really give them to you, okay? So you will have a chance to get these. Don't think they're not coming your way. These will come your way, but you're not going to get them for about another two hours, Okay? And who knows what your dad and mom are going to buy for you out of this. It's going to be some good stuff. In fact, I would go to them and I would say, I think the certain percentage of the gift cards need to go to, to the kids and the family. That's what I would say if I was you. Yeah. Goalie stick, new skates, huh? that kind of stuff. Okay. Very good to have you guys here. We're just so grateful that God has blessed us the way he has with the Straker family.